Welcome to Postpocalyptic. This is Rob. We got a little something special. Uh, John is actually on a Euro vacation, so he will be out for a few weeks. So it'll be the Postpocalyptic guest edition. So I'll be bringing on a few different people in the next couple of weeks to talk about either things that have been planned, off the cuff, or whatever. First guest will be uh, Jason. Hello there. Uh, Jason and I go way back uh, 20-odd years. Jason is also in the business. He's in the editorial side of uh, post-production with our postcast, a podcast being about post-production, which it never is. <laughs> You've been doing this almost as long as I started when you were in film school. Right. That was back in like 1995. Correct. And then when did you get your first job? I think the, well, the first real like PA job I had was with Robert Greenwald, and that was 1997. Okay, so I had been doing it for about a year and a half. And then, did you graduate 97 then, or 96? Uh, finished in 97. Um, and so this, uh, when I started uh, working for him, it was sort of like a part-time thing. And then within like six months or whatever, then it was full, I was full-time. Uh, and then I, I, I officially walked, I think, in 1998. But Okay. But uh, film, <laughs> school, film school grad, uh, LBC, Long Beach? That's it. Representing the sister school, the USC, I guess. I don't <laughs> No, not quite. Not quite. Um, I did do a, an extension program through um, USC and Universal. That was really cool. God, it was such a long time ago now that I think about it. But that really helped kind of prepare me for what we were going to do in uh, at Long Beach. And it gave me kind of a, a rudimentary background in filmmaking. And then I was already like, felt so far ahead of just about everybody else right? Um, at that time and being able to shoot on film and all that stuff. That was so cool back then. You know, now it's... But now, uh, John and I actually have uh, talked about this a little bit. It's like now kids going into like even USC or Long Beach are so far advanced than when you guys went into school. Oh, but, I mean, yeah. Yes, you, you had done your own thing. I mean, VHS had existed, uh, handy cams had existed, so you can record yourself and make your own videos and stuff. But kids now with their iPhones, I mean probably have had movies it, even if they're good or bad have oh, made movies yeah. going into film school now yeah, you're I just mean, learning there, there's, technique there's 12 year olds you know now that i have feature films already yeah. you know they've shot on their on their iphones and i mean and that's incredible um i remember uh a quote uh, from sam raimi back way back when and he was like if you want to be a filmmaker you had to shoot on film mm-hmm. shooting on video was you know something secondary and now right it's completely, you know, it's completely taken over. Um, so yeah, it's amazing how far it has come. I think we had, when I was at Long Beach, we had uh, there was one Lightworks, um, which was a editing platform that you know doesn't even exist anymore. It was based off of MS DOS and it ran off of like a Pentium ninety or Pentium one hundred mm-hmm. um, back then. And you know, you could basically do, you know, you'd work on either like a reel or like an act at a time because the storage was so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> storage was so scarce and um you know now like i could cut something together with my iphone <laughs> you know? well and that's so funny because uh way 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 back in the day when you guys were in film school um our other uh friend as well brian i was doing some music videos poorly at that and i remember editing and you had to even on a home computer at that time pick what shots you wanted in so, like, I would do multiple takes in the music video, but when we sat down, like, before I even got to Brian's to work on his supercomputer, yes. in quotes, 
I would love to. I should ask him what his specs were on that, which was the supercomputer. Uh, it was a Pentium 100, and uh, the graphics card was a DC1. Oh, right, right, um, right. That was the big card to have if you were working with video, was the DC, because I think I ended up getting the DC10. Yeah, that no. sounds right. And the, the DC1, though, that was the first sort of uh, graphics card that would enable you to do kind of video editing at home. You could digitize. Yes. At home digitizing. You plugged without any, like the regular cables. You could use S-Video. You could use your standard, you know, red, yellow, white, and just sort of plug in and capture the footage at, you know, the resolution that your home video camera could do or mini DV. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, for its time, it was pretty incredible. And being able to... um, I know at one point we were, uh, when we were shooting on Super 8, there was a guy somewhere back in the Midwest and he'd lay the mag stripe onto uh, the Super 8 film. Mm -hmm. You could then record, we had my grandmother's old uh, Super 8 projector that could record sound and we would edit, you know, you could edit like a little sequence, you know, with like gunshots or music or whatever. And then you would kind of sync up the projector and the computer and lay. Wow lay the sound back down to the mag stripe. I mean, it's all this like cool, you know, cool stuff. And uh, for me, that was the biggest thing. The biggest difference between USC and um, Long Beach is money. Well, Long Beach was very much about, you know, filmmaking through adversity. Whereas like USC, they had all the the tools, Mm -hmm. all the toys, you know, it was complete. Now I can't even imagine like what all the, you know, things that they have, all the different, I mean, they must have Da Vinci and, everyone's got their own avid and yeah. you know and all that kind of stuff and you know being able to think through all the problems and you know rather than just throwing money things how can we fix this you know how right. can we make this work on no budget basically and, yeah and, and to me that was you know really important in my education well and too it's um it was a film school as well i mean not like long beach people go well there's New York, there's USC and Long Beach. It's not that, but they had a great no. film program. No, and I won't pretend ever that my degree means anything or anything like that. But the experience I had there, I mean, it was some of the best the best years of my life. And I mean, you're surrounded by you know like minded people who right. are all kind of in the same socio economic yeah. <laughs> position you're in. You know, no, it was it was fantastic. Well, yeah, John had uh, we have a couple of pods. John's talked about basically it's me telling john that film school is useless only just because he went to film right school. no offense to john who was actually a, a he's a usc alum right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. sorry john <laughs> no no he gets it he understands his place when uh, we talk about um how useless it is but no he would talk about having to do budget meetings like go in and pitch to get money and then you know he would talk about yes there were people yeah because john is also not from a lineage it wasn't like he had aunt becky helping him get into college right <laughs> but you know he would talk about how there were some people's dads that would help them like oh here's a million dollars for your student film and you're just like oh good for you you know whereas everyone else had to come up with their own money or spend you know up to like 50 grand on their thesis short oh yeah having an having an in through you know parents or by you know some other means um i mean that's a huge i mean over someone that has no you know no relation to anything and just starting with nothing i mean you already have a 40% head start, maybe 50% yeah. head start, you know, on a person who has, you know, no connections, no yeah. money, no anything, you know, it, it's to the point now where everybody's got their own feature. Everyone has a script, you know, there was a point in time, this is probably back like in the seventies where if you seventies, early eighties, if you had your own feature, 
that was sort of your ticket. Yeah. But now, I mean, through the you know miracles of modern age, everybody can do that now. So I mean, trying to set yourself apart is very difficult. Right. Um, and a lot of the guys that are uh, uh, doing stuff now, like the Tim Miller, the director of the Terminator latest Terminator movie, mm-hmm. doing all of, you know being having his own official effects company. Yeah. Um, whatever you're in, you know, you do commercials, that kind of thing. That seems to be the launching platform for, you know, a lot of these guys now. Yeah. Um, having the background in visual effects, you know, or high-end commercials, you know, that seems to be, especially, you know, for the big, yeah. big stuff. I guess unless you're Marvel and you're looking down at the bottom <laughs> of the barrel down at, yeah. at horror. <laughs> but well, yeah, it's like, wow, that was an interesting stuff they did. And what was their budget? And he did a lot of it. All right. You're doing, you know, you're doing, uh, although Ryan Coogler for Black Panther actually had a really good short film well actually he had or not he had, he had his first film which was fruit fall station which was amazing mm-hmm. low budget great story then he did creed 2 then got black panther i mean he had a, a right. few steps, there, was, there was a progression there like he had a progression where yeah marvel sometimes like that guy what has he done he did that horror film that no one saw but still made 20 million dollars like oh give yeah, him give and, him thor i mean and kudos to marvel for you know having the guts to to do that and um and so far it's pretty much almost always worked out you know, but I mean, they I always have the money to fix it too. It's like this guy was no good. <laughs> yes, fix it. That does happen, and um, you know, you just take a chance. I know uh, HBO uh, for a period like through the two thousands, they were doing a similar kind of thing. And I mean, to me, it always felt like they were doing it specifically. I think to be able to control the content, yeah. you know, a lot easier than bringing some like heavyweight in who is you know basically going to take over, and you know they'll have you know, less say. Whereas if they hire somebody that's, you know, on a lower rung or um, maybe he's got some creative talents, but they don't have the credits, but they can push that person, you know, around a lot easier. And I think that's, you know. And everyone wants to do a studio film, even now. Like, I mean, that still holds weight to have that under your belt. I mean, you can still make your own film, but have one studio where then you're not always fighting for jobs. Mm -hmm. You have that uh, flexibility, you know, unless you go to movie jail. Yeah, well, yeah, you don't want to go to movie jail. But, but you can get out of movie jail now because you can make your own film super cheap with Kickstarter. That's like, right. You know, and like Josh Trank, uh, who did the new Fantastic Four, which bombed spectacularly, had a Star Wars film, which he was fired from. Right. Uh, he's back. You know, he's got his some indie film coming out with actually a pretty big cast. So he got out of movie jail pretty quick. <laughs> Yeah, well, doing. I guess when you're doing your own thing, then it's you know. I mean, that's the great thing now is anyone can do whatever you know, do whatever they want. I mean, didn't like Steven Soderbergh? Like, didn't he just shoot a film on like the iPhone 10 or something? Uh, his second film, second which I film. haven't seen. I saw the first one, and it felt like a movie shot on an iPhone, mm-hmm. which is fine. But he he did that thing where when you saw the iPhone with all the attachments, you're like, oh, so it's just a device. Like when if you look at if anyone has seen a you know TV camera or movie camera like a digital the, it's the housing that's small it's everything else that makes it big mm-hmm. like you see them now and it's like the red epic or whatever is like the size of i don't know like 5 DVDs you know stack them up mm. it's when you add the panavision lens you add all the plugs you add the battery and next thing you know it's you know the size of a car right so he did on the second film high flying bird which is on Netflix which I still want to see shot on his iPhone with an iPhone and um a DJI like gimbal. And that's it. It's a gimbal you can buy for a hundred and thirty nine dollars on Amazon. Yeah, the ones like the YouTubers use. And yeah. Stuff. So yeah. basically, the one he did, and then he bought a and a, a lens for some shots that you just slide on your iPhone, which was also another hundred bucks. So his camera package, in, not including the phone, was about two hundred bucks. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, coming from you know 
a point when he had, you know, Panavision lenses were like a prime was like fifty thousand dollars or some, you know, something ridiculous. And now, and if you watch, even if you just watch the trailer, there's one or two shots that feel sort of phony, Mm -hmm. like not phony as in fake, but like it seems like it's on a phone. The rest look really good. I mean, there at this point, I think he shot. Actually, oddly enough, he shot the last one on the iPhone eight. The first movie was on iPhone 7. This one was on an iPhone 8. That's incredible. And it looked pretty good. It still comes down to the technique. He already knows how to make a film. That's why if you go to Amazon Prime, where I watch most of the shit movies I watch, these are people that are just, that haven't gone to film school. Not that you need to go to film school, but are just making movies. These are the kids that, I want to make a movie, just make a movie. And it's like, "Mm, it looks like a first movie, but you know, it's up on Amazon Prime, you know, and I know, you know. I don't regret the time that we, you know, grew up in, but uh, some of the things now and some of the tools are just, you know, are just incredible and that everybody basically has access to them, you know, for pennies on the dollar. And to me, that's incredible. Well, because you're always going to have a phone now for the most part, like even if and even no matter what your status is, you're always going to probably have an iPhone for the most part. It's like one of the biggest markets that already has a 4K camera in it. Even if you don't want to shoot 4K, you have a 4K camera, which is not required. You have a really good camera. Even if you get a gimbal and no lens, you can go shoot a movie mm-hmm. right now. And then there's a company, which I talk a lot about, uh, who actually sponsor a lot of the crap movies I watch on Amazon, Wide Eye Releasing. Literally, they have a form. Hey, do you want us, want us to distribute your movie? And basically, <laughs> it just says all genres. And your the big requirements are that it has to be HD and that you have a music and effects track separate. Hmm. That's it. Wow. But, I mean, they'll, they'll review the movie, but I've seen what they've released. I don't think they're... I, I can't imagine what they turned down. Like if I can't imagine, nah, sorry, this isn't what we do. But that company then distributes. Sometimes they'll, they release a lot of like just plain DVDs to like Walmart, hmm. which is like, why spend $8 when I can watch it on prime for $7, but watch all of them for hmm. $7. That's amazing. They even release the DVDs, but, uh, I mean, that's, that's incredible that something like that even, you know, even exists. Yeah. So literally if you made an okay film, you weren't sure. And it wasn't one you're trying to market yourself into a studio. It's like, great, let's just get it out there. You know, get out there. And then you put it on your own personal website. Hey, here's a link to my movie. And then you can maybe generate the, uh, like a Kickstarter for the next one. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it's become, for better or for worse, it's all about the content. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's all that, you know, any of these big companies seem to care about is just having stuff to click on. Yeah. You know, it's not about, oh, this is a great movie or that's a great movie. It's just, here's 10 movies. You may like some of them. You may like none of them. You but know, who knows? I, but I, what I like about that, which is different than Netflix, which actually, I think, you know, obviously vets their content, is Amazon is what people stumbled across, like, back in cable days. Like, you're flipping around on the weekend, you go to Channel 9. Right. Or whatever, it's like, what's it? I don't know, I'll just watch it. Because it's something on. You right. know, it's like, oh, this seems interesting. That's sort of what Prime is. Like, someone's going to flip through and like, I really like um, 90s action films. And then you're going to start getting down to the point where you're going to find that the straight to video ones. You're like, oh, my God, I love this film, which is then going to recommend someone else. Like you just then have nothing but weird, schlocky um, content for you to consume. Right. Like the in the Steven Seagal films or like a Dolph Lundgren where he's in it for like 10 minutes or something like that. Because yeah, you'll start off on one where he's the star. Then it's like, well, I never saw Shark Lake, which I actually saw Shark Lake. Oh, he's in the opening, middle and the end. <laughs> And then you, then all of a sudden you like see Bruce Willis. Oh, I love Die Hard. Then it'll recommend some new one. You're like, wonder who? Oh, he's in the first ten minutes. Oh, he showed up for a day, but they put his face on the poster. Right. So, but those are also fun because those are ones that I would say actually have some money behind them. Like if you look at all the Bruce Willis ones that you've never heard of on like Amazon Prime, 
the production quality is really good so mm-hmm. that you know they spent minimum of at least three million dollars like they built maybe built sets or used practical locations and it looks like a real movie they still shot digital but it looks legit as opposed to these other ones that didn't get bruce willis is that really bruce willis is doing that now oh yeah look up bruce willis and he's like you'll see he has like 25 films and you'll go oh i remember death wish right and then you'll see 20 other ones that you've never heard of before that's incredible yeah he just i think goes wherever the paycheck is how, how the mighty have fallen and he always gives it he's always bruce willis but he always gives the best Bert version of bruce willis right so you watch it like at least he's not phoning it in with all the new Seagal movies. He's always just sitting down behind a desk. Mm-hmm. And then when he fights, it's all just editing. <laughs> uh, there was one. Uh, he's in one that was fantastic. China Syndrome with uh, Mike Tyson as the lead. Nice. It was fantastic. Literally, Seagal is just fighting. He's just waving his hands. And they're just editing it around. And guys are falling. And you're just like, oh, this is so <laughs> sad. And he's fat. And there was one where he's just eating a carrot the whole time. You're like, why are you eating a carrot? It's... They're fantastic, mm. but they rely on everyone else. Like Seagal's usually the bad guy or the the boss, mm-hmm. so it's all the great action scenes by the young kids. Right. Then they have to see Seagal, and then he has one fight scene. So it makes sense. But Bruce Willis puts in zero effort. Like he'll show you can tell. Like he was literally dropped off at that moment in his clothes. They gave him two lines to read, and he was like, "All right, fuck you guys," and then just leaves. <laughs> Jump in the limousine and go. Or, yeah, he, they or... have him for at least probably twenty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean. I mean that's that's been a movie trope for I mean, probably since movies right you know came out he we had like the kind of the the aging star now you know that can't get a lead anymore but still needs to make money is able to go and either become kind of become a character actor or they're you know just like in uh, Terminator Dark Fate we're going to see Arnold for yeah. he's going to be in it for five minutes at the cabin you know and, that's uh, all he's in it. Yeah, no, the one shot, and that's that's all you get, and that's that's no different than Bruce Willis, you know, right. going to flying to Hungary or, or Belfast or wherever they're making this stuff now. But I and, think what's so funny though with someone like Bruce Willis, it's different than like Seagal, who's not going to have a theater release anymore. Like Bruce Willis still, yeah, that's why I was kind of surprised. Like that Bruce he was Willis doing those. still does big ticket movies, and even if it isn't a diehard franchise, like Death Wish was released and had right. That's I I consider that. A real movie? That I is mean, a real right? movie. I mean, it, it's released in the theater? It was Eli Roth. It was released. People had... There was some positive buzz around it. Um, he was in Glass, which was the third installment of the M. Night right. trilogy. He still has the... He can toe that line of, I guess, do what he feels like he can do. Put his name... Still keep his name like as a relevant actor. But then all the stuff that just pays bills. Right. And he's not giving up that. You know he's there for two days. Like he gets the script when he gets there. At most, you have probably Bruce Willis two days. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's such a bar- bizarre thing, especially too for a guy that's still, you know, it's not like Nick Cage, right? I mean, Nick Nick Cage's career is basically it's done, and so he's he does whatever he can get and just, just says yes to pretty much everything. I heard it was uh, like two or three years ago there was at the AFM um, there were five Nick Cage movies being sold at the same time. Yeah. In one year, five. But, but what's great is if you watch those, he's in the whole movie, and he still gives it 110 Nick Cage percent. Right. I think that's the difference. And, too, like, he'll still do that thing where he just had that one that was buzzed about. I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, there was one just that came out last year that supposedly, like, it was like, oh, my God, Nick Cage is in his prime again. It was mm. just like a thinking man's, like, experimental film. People liked it. But then he'll do Mom and Dad where he goes on a rampage, or there was this great one he did with Elijah Wood, which was 
fantastic. But it was just Nick Cage. Just they just let him do whatever. Was it the one? Uh, it's just like a, a single name title. What was that one that kind of? That wasn't horror, but um, the one uh, John saw it in theater. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember the name. That's the one I'm thinking of was the art yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. He does have some stuff that, you know, does. There are some gems in. But he shoots you know. like 12 films. It's that whole thing. I'll shoot 12. One will get some buzz, and the other one people will watch because they still. I still like watching Nick Cage films because. Right. How well, that's why they keep making them because there's still an audience. It's like, it. how crazy will he be in this one? Like, there's one, like the, the Elijah Wood one. He just has a scene where he just goes, like, he's at out of one in acting he's just like we need to go in here and do this ah and then you just start screaming you're like holy fuck what just happened you, you just start like and then you just rewind you're like this is the best movie i've ever seen and then nick cage is just does nick cage movies which i'm okay with yeah and they keep you know they keep making them and people keep watching them and that's why there's a, a market for it but the bruce rules thing it'd be interesting to see like follow his career and see where does it go where does it go from here? Will he yeah. have like a resurgence again? You know, like Burt Reynolds did with Boogie Nights, right? Or um, like he'll grow a beard, like most of these actors do. Like so for the gritty role, right? Like he plays, you know, the aging dad, you know, yes. that the kid has to come home to, and it's like, oh my god, it's the performance of a career. Like that, some he agrees to do some guy's independent film, and that guy's like, look, I'll deal with the craziness of Bruce Willis. I just need him for five days, and just gives this gut wrenching performance. Sort of like remember when everyone was buzzed about, which seemed like it was he was at his end of the career. Then Stallone doing Copland. Yes, yes, that's another perfect example. Everyone was like, "Well, this is great. This will be a good cap to his career. Look at him as a real actor." And you know, thirty-five films later, it's like, "Oh, I thought he was that Copland was his last one." You know, and then you know, yeah, the whole expendable series and and all of that. <laughs> I'm gonna just keep going until I'm ninety. Screw it! <laughs> yeah, no, we don't. We have a new Rambo movie coming out. The final, I can't last, wait. Last Blood, sure. <laughs> but you know they'll just somehow spin it off to you know his kid. The podcast studio is not very soundproof. <laughs> but to the meat of the podcast is where two old men complain about a franchise that they loved growing up. That's it's right. something you never hear of anymore. Just two white guys. <laughs> Just so angry that they're making more Terminator films because they're ruining our childhood, but not really. So childhood ruined, everything ruined. So uh, the new Terminator trailer came out, Dark Fate, which I ain't mad at the title. I'm okay. I mean, it does, yeah. the title does nothing for me. How about that? I'm happy they started giving them after three, although three had a title, right? Yes, uh, Rise of the Machines. Rise of the Machine, but I think everyone just, nah, T3. It was just easier because yes. everyone just refers to T2 as T2. So I think when you do that, then... Well, T2 was still Judgment Day, right? I know, but I think everyone wants... It was just, oh, did you see T2? It was all about that. Even right. though it is Judgment Day, then T3 came out. And it's like, oh, it's T3. Then after that, it was just like, oh, it's Salvation. Then all of a sudden, they just became the titles. And I think they started uh, taking the numbers off. Because like Salvation, I think they just called it Terminator Salvation. As opposed to calling it Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. That's right, because it was kind of its own its own thing, which I guess we'll get into. It we'll get into it. So... Speaking of which is, I actually think that would have been the better three. Because three is, I think, the weakest. Oh, yeah, by far. So I think if they went one, two, then Salvation, still would have, man, we'd still be in this iffy, iffy thing. But but as I was reading all this stuff on Terminator, and we'll talk about Dark Fate shortly, James Cameron, I feel like he's the one that sort of sabotaged his own franchise. Like, because he, what was the story? What was the story he... Didn't have the rights after two. He sold the rights, right? Or well, he sold the rights with one. With one, right? Because he needed money. Yes, for I think it was something like one dollar or something like that. Because right. he just wanted to get the movie made. Um, 
And so that was uh, uh, Carlico right, was right. the studio. And they were, I would say, the Amazon Prime of their time. They yes. just released anything. Like, there will still be pulling up, like, some 80s movie in the office when we used to watch movies in the office. And I'll see that logo going, holy shit. I know. It brings back, like, such good memories when I hear that. Dun, 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 you know, and they have the, because um, they, uh, they did First Blood also. Right. Um, so, yeah, they were kind of on a roll for a bit. They actually good movies, but then they, would. I think they just threw a lot. Like, here's 20, and then you'd have a First Blood. You'd have a Terminator. But then you'd have some schlocky stuff in the between. Right. I think they were just looking for whatever that... I mean, because action was so big at that time, they were just looking for whatever the next right. you know, the next hit was. Um, and that's how you had, had to sell... Like, you basically had to give your soul away to make a movie in the 80s and 70s. Now it's like, oh, I have an iPhone. I'm going to make Terminator. Yes. Okay, so James Cameron did the smart thing. I want to make this movie. And who knows? It could have just went, hit the videos, and that's it. Yeah, no one ever would talk about the franchise again. Um, he did. He did do a movie before this. He did uh, Prana Two: The Spawning, right? Which he shot in Italy, and then um, he was fired from. And then supposedly he went back, flew back to he like you know scraped some money together and somehow got a plane ticket and flew back to Italy and set himself up in like some cheap hotel. Would actually sneak in back into the studio at night, like he still had like the keys or something. Okay. And Without a thousand guard gates and badges. It's like, yeah, as I long guess, as I have the know, key. But a totally different, you know, thing than now. But I guess um, they had just kind of, like, shelved the film. And supposedly, uh, he actually went and re-edited the film. Like, basically finished the film. Mm-hmm. Like, recut it. Without them ever knowing it or anybody ever caring. Right. And they had a work print, I guess, that he was able to find and work on the cams. And so he'd work in the middle of the night. And then before anyone came in, he would leave and then sleep back, you know, go back and sleep during the day. And supposedly, too, and he said, this was in a, I can't remember the, it was in one of the biographies on him. And I can't remember which one it was called, but it came out like in 2011, 2012. And, um, he said he would actually eat the, like, you know, people would have, like, room service carts uh-huh. pushed out from the night before, and there'd be, like, rolls and stuff on them. And he would actually eat the, you know, like, if there were rolls and stuff wow. that weren't touched, he would actually eat them because he had no money. Right. I don't know how he paid for the, the hotel room, but um, this guy worked really hard. That's how he, too, he supposedly had the, uh, what he calls the fever dream. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Where he saw these, like, you know, basically it was like a skeleton with the big, you know, red glowing eyes. Mm-hmm. And that's what gave him the idea for Terminator aside from the soldier and uh, I forget he says what all the, the things he is. got sued for. Yeah, the Har- Harlan Ellison. Um, I forget, there's two of them. There's uh, the soldier, which is an Outer Limits episode, I think. Yeah. I'll try to think of the other one here. But, well, it's sort um, of like uh, the way, I mean, his, his like homage is the way, like he homages in the sense where, oh, like Tarantino. No, I'm homaging that. You mean you took that exact story from this 1954 Western? Homage. Right. You can't keep saying homage. You literally took the story. No, no, no. I took the idea of the story. It's the exact same story. Because there's that one story for, like, uh, Hateful Eight. It's literally the exact same thing. Right, yeah. The and, Rebel is the one. Yeah. So you're sitting there going, it's not an homage if you take it beat for beat. Like, homage is like, ooh, a robot. That's interesting with human skin. Right. That's one thing. And then you're just sort of expanding on an idea it has to like be doing all the same things you know well i think tarantino didn't he say uh something effective uh artists do homages geniuses steal yeah you know it's funny i thought with all this buzz currently of the um his new one coming out like at at con um the uh once upon a time in hollywood i thought about it i was like it's actually kind of a genius move for him to go well 
everyone's always accusing me of ripping it off from this movie or that movie where now I'm going to do actually like a biopic essentially. Yeah. And it's like, well, here's what happened. Yeah. You know? So it was like a way to get away from that. I think. Yeah. It's I something wonder. different. Yes. But going back to the JC, uh, that was a huge influence on what made you want to get into film. Oh, for absolutely. the most part, because you were more like, even though everyone loves Spielberg and Lucas, it was the action elements that James did in like Terminator and all these films. And, Oh yeah, I mean, I mean aliens. aliens, aliens especially. But um, yeah, I can remember my mom uh, coming home. Uh, I guess maybe it's probably like the next next day or something. Uh, and then uh, my folks saw Terminator. Mm-hmm. She was just like totally blown away by it and how like it you know it, it kept coming back and it mm-hmm. was you know unstoppable. And yeah. you know, I remember her; those were her words. And I, I probably saw it you know a year or two later on, you know, on VHS. And I was just enthralled, especially with that opening future war scene. And you're like, holy crap, who's this Michael Bean guy? Yeah. (laughs) He's awesome. And it was just so dark and gritty. Um, And it was all things that you had never seen before. I mean, that was, that was incredible. It was almost taking a, like a horror aspect to it. Cause it's sort of like a, the idea is almost a horror Friday the 13th trope. You can't, this thing keeps coming back. Right. And that was something you didn't see bleed over to action generally you just killed the bad guy or killed or shot at the there was consequences this thing just didn't stop which you didn't really see unless it was some sort of schlocky 70s film you know where you're just like oh what is this but it was sort of sci-fi action where this felt grounded in a reality oh yeah no very much so i mean um you know setting up with with sarah you know working as a waitress and you know, having a bad day and, you know, and all of that. Um, and then by the end, she's, you know, she's a warrior. Yeah. And, you know, she doesn't want to believe Reese and, you know, all the stuff that she's the, you know, she holds the future to, you know, mankind. And she's like, right. well, I'm just a waitress. I'm nobody. Waitress in L.A. You know, in the valley. In, yeah, in the valley, no less. No, it's an, it's, it's an incredible story. And they won, they've, you know, look as, you know, I would have been, let's see, nine when that movie came out and if you would have told me oh we would have been you know standing around talking about it still in 2019 i would have you know said oh you're crazy but you know but we've that movie just struck such a a a nerve i think in everybody um that it's still relevant to this day that's why they're making a new movie right well that and money (laughs) yes that and money yeah because it it was funny because when i was reading about the little bits of trivia and everything and it's it's funny because when T3 was in development and it was just, you know, he didn't want to do it because he had his own thing, which I get it. You know, why keep going at the time? Why keep going back to the well when I can make true lies or right. well, when was... I can make the abyss or I can make Titan, you know, like I'd rather keep making newer films than retreading. No, exactly. Well, in T2 was he was, uh, you know, so busy in doing all the dive movies. Right. Um, Ghost of the Abyss and uh, that's was it, Aliens of the Abyss. Um, and so that was like his that's what he wanted to do. And he did it. Um, and everything else was, you know, was secondary at that point, including, you know, uh, the Terminator franchise. And I mean, what a lot of people don't, I think, uh, remember is that uh, Terminator 2, while he was, you know, the writer and director and all of that, he was really just a hired gun for that movie. You know, he didn't, you know, it wasn't his baby. Right. It was someone else's baby that said, hey, do you want another, you know, another go around at yeah. it? You know, and he said, he said, yeah, and Arnold wanted to do it because, I mean, they paid him a, what, a jet, right? It was a, like yeah. a G5 yeah. jet. And I think, too, at the time, he had, like, it was the most money ever made by an actor with the fewest amount of words or something like yeah. that. You know, so everyone signed on and said, okay, you know, great, well, let's And, too, it. he also wasn't, like, 
hey, let's go back to the original guy because this makes sense. It was, I mean, he had aliens under his belt, you know, so it's yes. like, oh, this guy can handle, you know, more money. Right. And two, it was also good for him because then he could just test all the visual effects he wanted to test. Yeah, after coming off the abyss, um, yeah, they took those, the same, you know, the same technology to, to make the, the pseudopod, water pod, yeah. which is the name for it, um, and then, you know, continue, you know, continue from there with creating a whole person on right. it. I mean, I get it. He didn't, you know, it's like, all right, I don't want to do T3. I don't even want, I don't want to be a producer. But then I think I remember it was in the trivia or something that Arnold was like, well, I don't want to do it if James not doing it. And of course, you know, these people couldn't think outside the box because in theory, without that, then they should have went, well, let's show the war. Let's do salvation, even though they didn't have the salvation script. But right. without having Arnold, it's like, you know, what we should do is show the future war. And then we can just have different people playing it. Right. As opposed to, you know. Fuck it, let's just do a cash grab, pay Arnold whatever he wants, which then James Cameron told Arnold, just ask him for everything. Take the money and run. Right, and that's exactly what happened. I think uh, there was like the the quote uh, during Terminator 2, uh, you know, because the, the schedule and everything was so rigorous, uh, I don't know if they ever had hats made up for it, but I know one of the sayings was T3 without me. Right. You know, just because it was such a grueling thing. And they did that movie in its entirety in nine months. From production date to finished film was nine months. That's incredible. Well, and I think you have to give James Cameron some a time frame. If not, then it's twenty years before we get Avatar two. Right. But you know, and that's the thing too. So it like I think Arnold, I think I wrote down, made thirty million for T three plus twenty percent of gross. Wow. Although he probably made more on just his salary than gross because Well, I think he put it he had to put in a bunch of money too of his own, right? To create that like the fire truck sequence. At the end. But I think he gave up more of his back end than out of his pocket. Because then I think it was just one of those things where it's like, all right, fine, I'll go to 10%. Or Every movie after that, I, when you read the trivia, it's like everyone still respected Jim's vision, even if he, he had no rights to it at right. all. So like when Salvation came, I read a thing that I forgot about that too. Mick G, you know, sat with them and James was like, oh, here's, they were talking mythos of the world. And then James was like, oh, you should hire, you know, Sam Worthington as the, you know, the, the hybrid right so you know he's still giving input but then it's that weird thing of people think well since he hasn't been involved the movies are crap and it's like well other than three i think jim's been involved because i remember even in five like he was doing the press tour like oh genesis that's this is the natural sequel right that this is the one i saw it it's the most exciting thing You'll yeah, see. he really stuck his nose out for Genesis, and that you know, and I think that's why he's being so protective of of this one. And um, but that's right, yeah, you know, he came out early on and yeah. said, "Hey, this is this is the one that T three should have been, or something." To that because effect. once again, I think the writers who actually wrote Salvation wrote it, and then talked to Jim about it, and really just sort of you know wanted to make it right. And you know, there were ideas in uh, Genesis that were okay, but it just came down to bad casting, right? But then to then, now, okay, now we're making this one, but we're going to discount everything. So Dark Fate, you see the trailer of Dark Fate, and you're just like, but it still doesn't feel like that's the natural sequel, though. This just feels like another movie. Yeah, and, and to be I, honest. Once again, this is, uh, I mean, this will probably be out in a week. This is literally the first trailer we've seen. So this is maybe trailer two. They tell us a little more of the story. This was just about action pieces and showing that they're Terminators. Right. There was really, it's like, oh my God, uh, Linda Hamilton's back. Oh my God, it's Arnold with a beard. That's all this trailer gave us, really, and some action beats. Yeah, and I mean, you got to see, do you want to talk, discuss the trailer now? We, or? we can discuss the trailer. Well, so I watched it, and I mean, my first reaction, I wanted to hate it, 
Right. right. Before I click the go button. Right. I was like, oh, here we go. Because that first, actually, we should go back even further. And I'm looking at it right now. The um, the original, remember the original poster that they came out with? And it was like, it was Linda Hamilton and she's got a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And then it has the other two. You can't tell if it's like, it's like kind of an androgynous. Oh, right. When they released like the, the, the press stills, right? Yeah, yeah. The original. Yeah. The original press still. Now they've, you know, kind of turned it into a poster. But it was just the three of them. You know, you're like, well... What is this? You know, what are we, what are we what are we looking at? And right. What are we supposed to even make of this? Watching the trailer, you know, you could definitely tell that we're trying to go back to our roots and take the things that were good about the first Terminator, Terminator Two, and we're building upon. We're going back to that well, right. but we're going to build upon it. Right. Um, I guess her being alive is the only indicator that this is a sequel to Two because she's been dead three on. Yeah, and they um, and uh, Cameron has confirmed that this it's basically the other movies do not exist. The TV show doesn't right. exist. There's just Terminator. There's just Terminator Two, and then this. And I think that's smart, though. We both like we both like Salvation. Right. We're probably the only two people on the planet <laughs> in the same room. That <laughs> think that's actually an okay. Movie. If you're looking for us, we're right here. Yeah. We're literally the two that have liked Salvation. I think. We can go back to Dark Fate, but I, I yeah. think I always like the way I stand with Salvation is that they tried something different. They didn't give yes. me here's Arnold again. I get it, he's a Terminator, but they were like, here's the war, here's yes. the thing we've always been leading to, and it was interesting. Any, regardless of even the story was okay. It was just like, oh, here's Reese. Here's oh, this is interesting. We're showing the future part, which yes. is kind of something we've all wanted ever since we saw that first opening of Terminator. When you see that that war, right, and you're like holy shit, I want to see that. And they never show it other than like flashbacks. Yeah, you just get little glimpses of it. And yeah, I think that's, I mean, look, it's, it's not a perfect movie. No. Um, it's not the best movie, but it doesn't, I don't believe it deserves all the hate that it that it gets. And Yeah, save um, that for Genesis or Terminator 3. Or Terminator 3, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that one is, you know, is mostly pretty much terrible. Um, and that's the thing. So like with Dark Fate, so other than her being alive, and then I think what's weird, too, is like, no, no, we're wiping everything else, but we're going to take a bunch of elements from it. Because in the trailer, you have female Terminator with the, the blonde shortcut. But she is just like Marcus from Sam Worthington's character from Salvation. He didn't know he was a Terminator. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of her thing. It's like, no, I'm human, but she's a machine. So it's like, OK, so you're taking that element. You liked that from Salvation. Right. Then the other Terminator that's after them is like the Terminator in Genesis. Like the way his he can morph and do still have like a solid body, but also sort of morph into other things is sort of what that other Terminator. So it's almost like we're cherry picking all the ideas we like from the other ones, but we don't like those movies. Right. We'll just take all the ideas from them. No, that's a great point. I mean, it's that's exactly what was done. Um, I mean, I have to say that uh, that seeing the Terminator kind of do that and go you know split apart that was pretty cool right you know considering we set up all the rules with the robert patrick t1000 that like oh he has to you know he can only be like one thing and has to be the same size you know and so now you've got one that can like split apart i guess the question is well why doesn't he just make like 100 terminators right and then go after it it might just be the one i'm guessing yeah i'm guessing what their their theory is going to be is that you still have the ectoskeleton which is probably the computer Mm -hmm. because that's what's driving the the truck in the trailer but the skin is the liquid metal, like the T one thousand. Right. That can so it'll still have its own conscious, but you—that's is it. You, if you kept branching off that, they're going to get smaller or weaker. Right. That would be my 
guess from that is that you can it's like still... a Xerox or something. You know, like the right. first one is like really great, but then they keep more. You keep more. You know, doing more Xerox is the worst. The yeah. So gets. together, the ectoskeleton with the liquid metal over it is the strongest. Then mm-hmm. when you separate, you're a little weaker, but you can have two. And we also don't see the other one fighting, so it's not like maybe it can only do small tasks. Right. Like it can still drive, but it can't do. You can't then have a battle with both of them because then that would, although they probably wouldn't show it in the trailer, that would be the fight towards the end where they split and you have to fight two. Right at the same, you know? at the same time. So, and once again, I, I so I'm guessing, obviously we we go in, where I guess whatever how many years ahead because obviously she's older, right? And she doesn't die. Yes, yeah, so, well, it's thirty. Thirty years. Thirty years. So we're thirty years into the future. Obviously, the war hasn't happened. Because right. she stopped Judgment Day. And I'm guessing we'll explain where John Connor is. Yeah, that was like, <laughs> that was my biggest thing was where, how are they going to, you know. Unless someone comes back and goes, oh, you have to save this person now. And I think that's the only thing that sort of bums me with the trailer is that once again, we have to protect someone. Right. That's the same, you know, it's the same trope. Yeah, it's funny you say that because um, that's sort of like one of the things that I didn't like that they borrowed because it's just like here's the same thing again yeah but the one thing is i did like and this goes back to even before cameron shot terminator with arnold mm-hmm. he was originally going to have uh lance hendrickson was going to play the terminator that okay. was his idea because the concept was you know that the terminator is not this like big scary guy but it's just like it could be anybody right anybody could be the terminator I mean, okay. which goes back to a thousand sci-fi movies from the right. 50s um and so that's why he was going to have uh, lance hendrickson play They've taken that element, and then they've had... I was actually just trying to look up on IMDb who the actor was. Cause uh, I do Diego that. Luna, I think, is his name. There you go. Um, and he could be anybody. Right. That, he looks like regular Joe. Yeah. And so that element, I thought, was you know was really cool. Um, but yeah, how they're going to explain, like... You know, especially too heavy, it's such a big deal about John Connor being the, you know, the end-all to end-all right. of everything. And it's like, oh, well, now we're... It's going to be whoever this other person is, right. um, is going to fill that same shoe, and then you're going to have to explain. Yeah, because then you, then you start splitting, then you start getting into that stuff of time travel. Because, like, if John sends Kyle back, well, for, first of all, it's always that weird thing. John sends Kyle back to protect his mom, who then is turns out to be his dad, which <laughs> we just sort of let that go, and it's like, fine, we'll accept that somehow future guy's the son of who sent him. It's like, okay, fine. I can do that. But then right. you can always just allow certain ones. It's like, oh, I'll give a few here and there. But then if we're 30 years and the war didn't happen, then who sent who back? We're now past the point. We're going to be past the point when they send someone back. Right. You know, so once again. Yeah, because it was, it was uh, well, Judgment Day was 97. Right. I used to know the date like by heart. It was like something like April 14th or something. Or, no, it was August maybe. August seems right, but. August 7th? I don't know. Uh, but it was definitely 1997, right? And um, so yeah, now we're long past that, mm-hmm. and so now you've you know you've, you've created a new timeline, and that would be the only. And that once again, I know you didn't watch, and I'll stand by the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I actually thought was a once again at that point once Terminator Three came out, they weren't going to do any more anything. It was like all right, we're done. Right. Then they decided to do Sarah Connor, and it's like all right, well I'm probably never going to see a Terminator movie again, so I'll watch the show. And the show, rough start, second season was much better. But they did the thing that they borrowed in Genesis where they jumped time because they pushed Judgment Day. Mm -hmm. So they did a time jump. So the show takes place right after Terminator 2. 
Mm. I, I believe that's how it was. It took place after Terminator 2, but in order to get over that hump of like Judgment Day, because we were already past Judgment Day in our real life, they they time jumped to our current time, which I don't remember the year when the show came out. Yeah, it was like 2008. Maybe. Uh, no, actually, I think it was going to be earlier than that. It really? um, mm. but, but it was that thing. So what they did is like, okay, we're just going to push it. And then they push Judgment Day. But it's still coming, so they're still prepping. So it was the idea of that. Then they literally took that in Genesis, where they did the time jump, because mm-hmm. he goes back and they rewrite that timeline. You know, so he because someone had sent in Genesis, someone had sent a Terminator they called the Guardian in 1973 or something. So it was like right, yes, like what the <laughs> fuck is going on? So they then build a time machine to go to the current time to then stop genesis which was the new judgment day so that once again they had a lot of good ideas in genesis but it's like then once you start playing with timelines then you start asking more questions but what about this oh don't worry about it yeah. time it was so much simpler when we were kids because it was just like <laughs> you just had the two movies yeah and so you had you had uh arnold went through first mm-hmm. and then you had robert patrick went right. shortly thereafter because the, the skynet thing was like okay i gotta get something through the door right so i'm gonna send this random t-800 through yeah and that's like well we've been working on this prototype of the t-1000 then we're going to send it through and then that's when the rebels or whatever you want to call them resistance you know that's when they break down the doors to skynet mm-hmm. and then they send they quickly well we need a soldier it needs to go back to save my mom yeah. yeah so that's when they send michael bean through and then they have to take time to reprogram arnold for t2 right and then so he goes potentially after michael bean goes through right and then that's it Right. Like no one else goes through after that. There's just two movies, but, four people go through. But then you start breaking it down even more. It's just like, no, my mom told me I had to send you back. Well, then it didn't work if you're still in the war. It never works. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I, I think that's the whole thing is that it just never is going to work. Because if you have that picture of your mom with you and then you have right. to send someone to protect her, you already know it didn't work. Hmm. Well, I mean, I guess it works sort of because it, well, the future war still happens, but but he's at least the resistance to... They couldn't stop the future war initially, but then they have the ability to take over at some point or some right. turning point with technology or whatever where they're able to actually beat the machine. So I guess in the end they do kind of right. win, right? Kind of. And so they were trying to go back and... I and mean, I that's all they're trying to save, right? It's just that they're just trying to save that moment in time to say, oh, you have to save Sarah Connor right. so that John Connor can be born right? because he is like the chosen one or right. whatever. To... So basically it's all about you have to protect yourself so you can lead this war. It's like, can't we just go and stop so I don't have to fight this war? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should be mathematically figuring that scenario right. out. Right, how do we go back and just kill Miles Dyson and then, you know, he's right. a baby or whatever and then, then none of this none of this happens. But I guess it's not to say that it couldn't happen in some other, right? you know, some other way. You being, you know, being influenced by... Uh, Terminator and then you know aliens and stuff and even James Cameron being on board the fact they put that in the thing James Cameron producer it's like dude's been telling us the last three movies were going to be great and he also told us that Battle Angel was the best film it's like I don't know how much weight his name really pulls with it other than the mythos of James Cameron right like when you say James Cameron like hells yeah true lies Terminator abyss yeah and you just glaze over a lot of everything. <laughs> right. Well, it's kind of the same, you know, all the guys that we grew up with now, Zemeckis or Spielberg or Lucas, you know, they haven't done truly great work in decades. I right. mean, that's not to say there aren't gems right. like, you know, here and there. And I think that's at some point that uh, your weight of that name. Start, right. In fact, Spielberg's like last, 
few films. Like, he used to always say, right, a film by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. The last four or five films, they don't ever say that. It just has, like, the little card that comes with the end, and this is, like, directed by Steven Spielberg in small letters at the bottom. Because yeah. it's not... It doesn't have the cachet that it once did. Now, he... You know, look, he changed Hollywood. Yeah. You know, uh, Lucas and Scorsese, all those guys, um, you know, made... You know, sort of made it what it is today. Right. And, you know, we owe them... We owe them that. Oh, definitely, um, definitely. In terms of, like, the name recognition, I, you know, I just... Over it, I guess. Well, I I, and it's like also, a grumpy old man, but that's just how it is. I mean, you think about it. It's like, say you're you're going to the movies, and um, you know you're ten or twelve or something now. And yes, you probably have a lot more history than we had going to the movies at ten or twelve. Uh, Steven Spielberg presents Ready Player One. Who? I mean, you might not even know who that is. The way his weight pulled later on, like when we're seeing movies, we see some of these names. We're like, holy shit! I just right. saw these great films. But these kids aren't sitting there going, "Oh yeah, Schindler's List," you know. Right, and they or, might not have grown up with, you know, because you got to think, like, the kids that are 10 or 12 now, parents are our age. Yes. For the most part. So unless you're just going to be feeding them pop culture at that time, they might not even care. So to them, you know, unless you're talking about it, unless you're a film geek yourself, your kid's probably not going to know from what they're watching. They're just watching YouTube videos all the time. You know, I'm watching yeah. this guy drop watermelons off a building. Who right, fuck yes. Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, when I go to the, you know, the Megaplex and I see, you know, they've got the row of posters or whatever, I just don't identify with hardly any of it, you right. know. It doesn't interest me. It just it's just part of, you know, right. there's now a new generation, you know, that they're growing up and they're doing their thing mm-hmm. just like the generation before us right. and the generation before that. You know, I mean, there's a reason why we're not sitting around talking about Howdy Doody because that was our parents. Right generation that's what they grew up with as a kid or and before that it was you know tom mix and you know hoot gibson you know who are silent film stars right. you know william s hart all of those guys and they were you know they were the john wicks of their time right you know um and so but i, I think too you're always going to you don't really stick it takes a lot longer for a director to stick now than it did i think and two you weren't releasing as much so, right. like, you were excited to have the new Spielberg joint, you know? Like, right. oh, my God, here's the new one. But we're only getting... Yes, they. if you look at, like, an 86 release, yes, there were still two movies a week. But there were usually bigger movies. Right. You know, and you just look at it, you're like, oh, wow, this is great. But now, every week, there's 15 movies. And you just got to hope that director's going to make another film. Like, I mean, just very few people stick. Every so often, you see a name going, oh, I remember that guy. No, I think that's true. And I think uh, one of the things, too, is that with the movies have gotten, you know, so much bigger. Um, and I don't think the movies are better. I think that they're, you know, there are more competent, competently made films now than there ever have been. Mm-hmm. Now there are so many people involved working on whatever it is. It would be a Marvel film mm-hmm. or the latest Dwayne Johnson film or right. something. I mean, you have hundreds of people. Um, whereas, like, when, you know... Cameron made Terminator back in 1984. It was like him, some of Roger Corman's people. Right. And, you know, he was there every waking hour, you know, trying to come up with ways, you know, to do a shot. And it's like, you know, they had the, the scene where they're they're in the alley and it's Sarah and Reese and they're having the conversation about the Terminator. And mm. all of a sudden Arnold like jumps on the hood and like he's going to smash his arm through, yeah. right? And so they did that, like, on a set with, like, they painted the side of a semi-tractor trailer with the bricks and mm-hmm. just ran the semi by, and right. then it smashes through the window. And now, like you're seeing in this trailer, 
you know, you've got kind of a similar scene and they're on like 747s or some nonsense. I, that was probably the one scene in the trailer. I showed Ange the trailer. We watched it on the big screen at the, the pet sit we're doing. And that's that, that scene, you see that and she goes, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, that, that moment, you know, it took, I mean, because you know it's all just generated in a box, right? There's just a computer and there's a guy and he's super talented, don't get me wrong, and there's super smart people putting together all that and stuff. That and that shit looks real. Like you're looking at it code, going, oh my God, that looks know, like plain. But there's something that triggers in your mind that you know that that was done, you know, it was done in a box by some right. guy here in the valley or over in Weta, New Zealand or whatever. And it's not the same as, you know, even doing something current, right? You've got uh, the big thing right now is, is Keanu Reeves and John Wick. And he's 54 years old and he's basically doing all his own stunts. Right. And you're like holy shit, that's incredible. And there's, you know, and I don't know, maybe the younger generations, because they've grown up where they've had CG all their lives now, right. essentially, that that isn't, doesn't matter. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe they don't care. I don't know. You can't even ask a millennial at this point because they're too old. You got to go yeah. to Generation Z or whatever right. that is to get, you know, to get that perspective. Well, yeah, those 12-year-olds were born in 2006 and seven. Right. Th- that's their frame of reference of movies. And that's you incredible, know. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like when I think once I saw the plane shot, which I don't know why they would put that in because it doesn't show anything about the movie. Like I get the truck going through the walls, very reminiscent of Terminator 2, the truck going over the overpass. Right. So it's like, okay, I get it. You're trying to give you ideas that are sort of the same. But then you see the plane thing. and You're like, oh, so it's Fast and the Furious now. Like it's just so over the top and ridiculous. I won't care. If anyone gets hurt or not. Yeah, we just saw we just saw that same sequence, right, in Alien Covenant, right? I mean, weren't they on the planes, or was it Prometheus, where they're on the plane, and they're, like, on the out? It was, no, it was, uh, it was Covenant. It was the last one. Oh, yeah, they were... Or they're uh, on the ship, and then it's, like... Uh, yeah, and that was the one on the ship. It was a cool shot, because I think the alien popped down on right. the ship. Anytime sci-fi, you sort of forgive a right. little bit. But these two planes that are crashing towards each other, it's like, one, I guess we have to know what's going on in the story. Also, why is it Fast and the Furious now? And then she's just hanging on like sort of a Humvee on a parachute. And you're like, what? What is going on? I don't, yeah. I don't care. Yeah, it's really funny too, actually. That they chose, I thought it odd that they actually chose uh, a Humvee for that because they hardly, I mean, they have them still. But right. that was, 30, you know, like 30-year-old technology. Like they have the MRAPs or something like that. So it was just an odd thing. Well, the whole, have, that whole little sequence was just so odd to me. I it's don't that know. thing of like in uh, Terminator 2 where she goes to get all her guns. Maybe it's the same. It's 30 years later. Let's go get my Humvee. Oh, yeah. yeah this thing isn't working. We need to fix yeah, it. Yeah, been... Enrique. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, I, actually, that's another thing that I thought was kind of cool, like tying, you know, tying both, right, because uh, the first Terminator, it ends with her driving into Mexico, and then, or she's actually, or, or like at the border or something right. like that, and then uh, they make the trip to see uh, in Terminator 2 to go see Enrique, where they have the weapons cache mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Oh, that was kind of a cool element that harkens back to yeah. those films, at least a way to, to tie it to those. Yeah. Here's like the, you know, these old, you know, dusty towns in, in Mexico that yeah. nobody's ever heard of or whatever. Yeah. And this is where our movie's going to take place. And that, that I thought was kind of cool. But yeah, as soon as I saw those airplanes, I was like, wait, what is this a, you know, real from, you know, Hobbs and whatever <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw that got stuck in here by but accident. That'll be like when you see Hobbs and Shaw and they're jumping plane to plane, it'll be like, yes, cause I'm seeing this movie. Right. Except that's that they built that world and they, we, we, you know, there's little grounding grounded. They built it from the first fast and the fear was about streetcars in LA but right I think that's what's weird is that I don't understand I, I, I once again I think this would have been a good trailer if they showed comic-con or something like I don't feel it's a well-rounded 
here's James Cameron's back, although they make it seem like he's more involved. I doubt he was as involved as they're probably leading us on because he's been making Avatar for 10 years. Right. And I know he's been involved and I know he's helped with the story and I think he likes Tim and I think everything about it, I think he is involved, but they make it seem like he hasn't talked about a Terminator movie since Terminator 2. But then if you read all the trivia other than three, every person talked to James Cameron about Terminator to get his ideas. Right. And he's promoted it. But them saying he's back now, it's like, well, he's back as a title and getting paid. Right. Which is different than just being a mouthpiece. No, and, and the little, there's a little interview that's on YouTube um, that has uh, Tim Miller and uh, James Cameron, and they're a reporter from... Uh, Hollywood reporter and he's asking him basically all these you know all these same questions and they ask you know you know what was it like having to go and you know ask um Linda Hamilton you know back because she turned it down before yeah you know and so he answers that question and some other stuff but but yeah they're they're very dismissive of both Terminator 2 or Terminator 3 and you know End Salvation Mm -hmm. in this current which is shot just this week I'm sure yeah and I guess, you know, I mean, Salvation, he'd kind of distanced himself from, right? Yeah. I mean, because that really wasn't him. But he was definitely like, well, it's my buddy Arnold, so I have yeah. to hype up Terminator 3. Right. And then Genesis, I know he was, you know, he Like, was he all did, over. like, interviews right. with it. Like, no, no, this, I feel like this is the direct sequel to Terminator 2. Right. Like, I mean, he, he didn't have to. Like, obviously, I mean, who knows if he was paid or not, but definitely championed that movie. Right. Like, mostly online. Like, I mean, you saw the videos pop up. It wasn't like he was doing the press circuit, you know. So it's just kind of weird that they're hyping that, which I get. You know, they want the name back. And you see Lyndall Hamilton, although most people are like, who? Like, imagine kids watching this trailer now going, who? Right. Well, I mean, that's a different thing. I mean, in the in the interview, what uh, Tim Miller was, you know, saying that really drew him to this project, besides being able to, you know, be part of the Terminator franchise and work with Cameron, was being able to take, you know, the ideas from the original and you have this, you know, he quotes, you know, it's like the sandbox mm-hmm. of all these characters and stuff that are already been made and then being able to play with them in a way that, you know, he wanted to make it, you know, right. to make it work. And so getting, you know, Arnold back and getting, even though you see him for probably just one scene and then getting, you know, Linda Hamilton back and she looks great. And, right. you know, she comes out of that land cruiser and she's got that, you know, automatic shotgun and then yeah. like a rocket launcher and all that stuff that all looks, you know, that all looks really cool. But then also how is Arnold in this? If this is a continuation, he melted himself at the end of two. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I guess we're going to have to wait and, you know, wait and find out. And it's like, well, if you're going to do that, like, I mean, why not bring back Michael Bean? He was so awesome. You right. Know? I mean, it's... They're going to answer all these questions for the most part. But it is kind of weird. You see Arnold and you're like, hells yeah. Then you're like, wait, if this is the direct sequel, he died in two. Like, if this is 30 years, unless... Right. But it can't be the same one. Yeah, it's got to be a different, you know, unless it's like one of the ones from Genesis somehow came, but those films aren't supposed to exist, so I don't right. know how that I think works. that's what's so weird. It's like, how? Like, you know, she didn't rebuild them. Like, how'd she get that? Because that stuff right. isn't supposedly happened yet. And also, too, we don't know the time frame of this movie. We know it's obviously in the future, but they're not showing us anything where it's like, oh, we're at the future war. She survived yes. the future war. And then also not to show a John Connor. I, I, I think what it is, it's like this to me just feels like just a movie. A, a Terminator movie. Like, it, I think if they didn't say this was a direct sequel, I'd be like, all right, they're fucking with timelines because of right. Genesis. You you know, know? Maybe in the subsequent trailers, you know, that we'll see more, it'll give us a better, you know, a better clue as to, you know, what all is, you know, happening here. Because right now, you just see, well, I mean, you see a lot of the same tropes yeah. from the original two films, and that's great. 
sort of hard to tell where it's going to go other than the same places we've already been. So I'm, I'm a little perplexed. I don't know. And she drives off in the end and you're like, holy shit, we've already done that. <laughs> right. You know, you know, they talked about in the interview specifically how, how relevant it is to our time now with, with, um, artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. you know, being we're like just on the cusp of it being, a, you know, right. a thing in our everyday lives all day, every day. And being you know, potentially smarter than us mm-hmm. very quickly. Well, I can tell you now, my car is smarter than I am. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> what can you say? Um, so that Terminator reality is now, or what was science fiction then, is now becoming a rea- reality very right. quickly. And that's why that's how you can do a film because some things are, are very much of their time. And right, it's like why there isn't like a 3D Howdy Doody movie playing right. in the theaters right now because that was the thing back right. then or Captain Kangaroo or right. whatever. Ryan Reynolds isn't playing Captain Kangaroo next right. summer. Right. But so they're kind of trying to tie what's happening now into this current movie, keeping the elements from 30 years ago, you know, keeping the look and the feel yeah. of a Terminator. Like you, when you look at that trailer, you go, oh yeah, that's a Terminator film, right? right. I mean, you said yeah, so yeah. yourself. Just the question is like, where are they, where are they taking it? And I understand now there's like going to be like three. That's the idea is like to make a trilogy of this. Yes. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. I mean, well, you they were supposed threes. to make a trilogy of, Genesis too, but right. I'm sure in Salvation, you always you always say because Salvation ended great. It's like we got to get to London, right? And it's like, oh my god, the next one's gonna take. This is gonna be amazing, right? And then it's like, oh, <laughs> and then uh, that tape came out with uh, Christian Bale, which was so stupid. Like in retrospect, it's like what brought down the franchise? He yelled at a crew member, right? Is that it? Yep, yep, pretty much it. Even played on Family Guy, from what I recall. <laughs> and it's not like one of those things. Like it's not like Harvey. It's like, oh yeah, he was uh, molesting women and you know sexually assaulting him. Oh, I get why Miramax went down, but why did Terminator go down? He yelled at someone, then apologized. Right. So that brought down the franchise. Yep. Yeah. No, and it's too bad. Um, it'd be fun to talk about it, you know, in a different uh, different cast. The whole thing with aliens and Neil Blomkamp's version and how we're not going right. to see that because of Ridley Scott and and all of that. But uh, but Terminator's back and Terminator's back, which is it, it, once again, I'll always see these films. I don't care because right. I always I think I'm always hoping that it's going to be good. And that's why maybe I can find good in some of these other than three. I don't know why I keep shitting on three, but go see the fan edit. If you want, fine. There's a fan edit. I don't know how you get it. Wink, wink. Fan edit of uh, Terminator 3 that makes the movie watchable. Mm. How about that? It, they Whoever did it put in, changed the color grade, cut out all the dumb jokes, retitled it for some reason. It's a little shorter, mm. but it's more cohesive. It feels like... A movie like you watch it going this isn't great but it's much better than what they gave us I, I think they've always done like salvation was something different like oh my god this is interesting they're doing something different than genesis okay the casting's terrible but i like what you're doing right like that's how they explained how everyone was in it mm. like we're gonna go we're gonna jump to that time but the timeline's different that's kind of cool right and but then it was just the leads were just so bad and that that came down to bad casting right once again, I'm always happy when you're trying something. Try, make something different. Give me something. But this, I don't know. Maybe this is going to be great. Maybe they'll answer where John Connor is or why the Terminator's alive or anything. But the first trailer, I think they should, they should have almost done with, what was it when the Aladdin trailer dropped? Everyone was like, holy shit. And then they rushed out. Frozen. Frozen trailer. Two, yeah. Which was, that trailer looked kind of like the Dark Fate trailer where it didn't tell you anything. Right. It just showed you images. It was like, forget about Aladdin. That's yes. all that flashed on the screen. And then they sort of eased it. And now Aladdin's opening this week, which he'll probably do 
really well. I'm surprised they haven't went, oh, here's the real trailer. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I don't think it's, you know, it's not the, uh, you know, not the, certainly not the Aladdin trailer. I mean, played, like, look, I, you know, I was all prepared to hate it. And then by the end, it was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And my wife, she watched it with me and uh, she, she thought it looked great. So, yeah. Well, and to the Aladdin to trailer, I think it was more of a shock. Right. Oh, is this what you're doing? Right. I think that's, it wasn't that it was a bad trailer. It was more of, oh, you did this. Right. Like, wh- why? <laughs> and then I think you're just, it, like, this is, there's nothing bad about this trailer. You're not watching Dark Fate going, oh, for the love of shit. Yeah, why, why? Please you know. stop doing this. Right. And that's, you know, before I saw, when I saw that first poster, that's sort of how I felt, was like, I don't need this movie. Right. Please stop making them. Right. And I, I really, I don't need this movie, but. No, uh, we don't. I, we literally don't need Dark Fate. We don't need Dark Fate, but I'm kind of curious about it now. At least I, mean, I know. And then look, I mean, and Tim Miller's, you know, is, is proven. The guy yeah. is, you know, with Deadpool. I'm mean, yeah. doing a fantastic job. And, uh, you know, there's no way that that guy is going to allow this to be terrible. Like, right. it's just not going to happen. Right. And the studio now has way too much. They keep, I, they would marvelize this, like, fix it. Right. You know they've seen it enough where whatever we see will be fixed. Yes. Because... I get it for Salvation. They tried something. It didn't work. Then they're like, great. Then they, they did Genesis and probably tried to fix it. But then you can't fix casting. Like, you can't right. reshoot casting unless you're going to take them out. I think the tone of Genesis 2 was, I mean, because it was when all those Hunger Game movies and all that stuff was, you know, the, what they call Teenage Apocalypse, yeah. you know, genre. It, and they kind of, because it has that kind of tone in yeah. that movie. That, I think hurt it more than anything and then the casting on top of that was just you right. know it just doesn't and i do, and i work. have nothing against either of those people as i mean I, I hear she's great on game of thrones haven't seen game of thrones i like jock courtney he's okay right but it was you're casting two iconic roles that and yes they don't have to be clones i get that i don't want someone that's going to the whole time feel like i'm they're doing an impression uh, impersonation of that person because then that's going to feel weird right but it's supposed to look like the other movies. And she's like 5'1", even though I think Linda Hamilton's 5'3". Then you get a six foot two guy to be Michael Bean, you know? And right. then it's like, well, what's that about? You know, it makes zero sense. So that was, for me, it was just that. Doesn't look terrible. I'll watch it. We'll probably see it together. Yeah, we have to check this out. Come to, now, the November release date is that, I mean, these are traditionally a summer blockbuster fair kind of thing right has any of the other ones been delivered at christmas i think they're doing this because of how thick summers are now like right you're competing against every marvel film every disney film which is all the same now i think they didn't want to get yeah bogged down in that my guess is they're sort of doing the james cameron approach go later and hope for just you know people just going to go right you know where you know you're sort of slowly going to build as opposed to the summer where if it didn't do well that first weekend no one's going to go and right then you're out the rest of the summer like November, all right, this might do pretty well. I don't know what it's competing against. And I mean, I think it'll be competing against um, Frozen 2, oddly enough, because I think that's oh, a November release. Yes, it is. It sure is. That's uh... But two different movies. So I have a feeling they'll, yes. it'll come out in November just to gain that movie. And two, then you'll start getting to award films. It's like, well, I'd rather see Terminator than, you know. Right. Oh, I was going to say, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, I, I haven't looked at any of the buzz yet to see like what the you know the reactions yeah. are, but I assume if I think it's okay, that yeah. other people are probably gonna think it's okay too. This yeah. isn't like, oh my god, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. You know, but it wouldn't surprise me like if all of a sudden you hear like two months from now that this movie's been pushed to like February. I I would, you know, that would be the next push because February's been okay. Like right. Feb- February, 
is now a, like a summer month now, but it's also where you you're putting a property that people might want to see, right? But you're very little risk. Yeah, I think Deadpool actually kind of changed that. Yeah, they. So it actually makes sense to actually release this movie in February. It right. wouldn't surprise me. In fact, I'd be more surprised that if it actually releases in November, then. But uh, doesn't that then sort of put that in your head though? It's like, hey, we're pushing to Feb. Oh. A lot of problems, huh? Well, yeah, because, I mean, and that's the other thing, too, is we've heard nothing about this movie from no. the set. Like, they've done an amazing job. Nobody I, has said anything. There's not one iota. Of, this is, it's, it's almost as secretive as Avatar. I, I, well, I sent you that one video, I think. They had wrapped, but it was mostly like a film Romania plug. Remember mm. that? It was just the, the crew and Arnold talking about how great it was to film in Romania. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that was the closest we've seen of behind the scenes and all right. you saw i think you saw like an interior of a building with like a humvee maybe oh so maybe that's where it comes from and then mm. there's just people going oh i love filming in romania this is the best <laughs> country in the entire world and you're like give us our money right and like you said i haven't seen yeah there hasn't been one maybe because it's romania it's harder to get spy shots who's going to fly to romania to get arnold on the set you know it's like uh. yeah i guess at the, at the end of the day you've got the two their two leads the and I don't know their names. I'm sorry. Mackenzie Davis and Diego Luna. Thank you for researching that. Um, I mean, are those spy shots that anybody cares about? And, and Linda Hamilton, too. I mean, right. or Arnold. I mean... I mean, unless it was like... It would only be interesting if they were shooting L.A. And it was right. downtown and there was like a... They were shooting and it was like someone from their window. Look, they're shooting Terminator. Right. That's going to be interesting only because it's here. No it's right here. Yeah, no one's going out of their way. Now, it's different, right, when you had... Um, What's his name that plays Hawkeye? Um, uh, Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. <clears throat> right. That was like a big deal because he was not, it was, you know, he was not in the first film. Right. And everyone wanted to know, and they were speculating, oh, is he going to become Ronin or right. whatever? Like, that's like a shot. It's like seeing him in his garb or with his right. haircut or even, it's right. like, oh my God, here's the yeah. new look for him in Endgame. Whereas, like, and don't get me wrong, I love Linda Hamilton yeah. and I love those movies. Um, there's even a Hallmark one and I've seen like <laughs> once or twice at, that she, where she's a, in Christmas. She's great in that too. Okay. You know, I, I don't know if the care is there. That's going to be the interesting part is, is. Yeah. Cause you're, you're, you're definitely going for some uh, nostalgia for us. It's basically made for 40 something year old males that love this franchise. That's who, that's the only reason you bring Linda Hamilton back. Right. It's the only reason you bring Arnold back is because now it's like maybe they agree to do that. Arnold will do anything for money. Maybe Linda agreed to do this because she believes in the script. Just because Jim comes to her going, hey, I have a great story idea. Right. Yeah, I don't need to do that. I have my Hallmark movie. These are cash. Right. I literally go to Canada. <laughs> I shoot five days. This That's is it. Great. I'm done. You want me to go to Romania and work out and shoot for two months? This is BS. So she has to maybe either believe in the project enough. Right. Like to see her, it's like, all right, well, she's she's not doing just for a cash grab because she already makes money. It's not like finding some rando per, you know, it's like it's not like those movies where everyone comes back because they haven't done anything. Right. For her to do it, she must like it. And but I don't know, like, who's this movie for? Like, it doesn't like you see this trailer and you're like, wow, you already have to kind of know the world. This isn't trying to, like, set up something new. No, that's a good point. Um, especially, too, with the, you know, with the casting and you've got, like, the androgynous character. Right. You're, so you're setting you're you're setting it up in that world, but then you're jumping on you know the bandwagon of trying to you know be politically correct, right? Get that get those elements in to try to I guess you know make it uh, palatable for you know a young you know a younger audience, right? 
Um, you want to see women do all that stuff. And you've already built that in the first Terminator. Yeah. And it was great. And you're trying to build upon that again in this. But yeah, it's kind of hard. Looking at the trailer, it's hard to say like, oh, yeah, who who's this? Who are they marketing this movie to? Like, who's... Well, because this... she, like, pops out of the, like, the truck, like, you're supposed to go, fuck, yeah. I mean, we do, because we like those movies. Right. She pops out, and she starts shooting the Terminator. You're like, all right. Right. Cool lady shooting the, the Terminator. Right. I guess if you don't know Linda Hamilton, yeah. Like, and I think, once again, we'll know more, and it's easy to just, you know, figure it out without any information, but... It's because uh, obviously female Terminator doesn't know who uh, Sarah Connor is, which we've done already, right? Right. I mean, it was a, which it was that was in was that three the female Terminator? Yes, we've already done female Terminator, but we had she, the Asian Terminator in Genesis, right? In Genesis. This is doing that Marcus story where she doesn't know she's a Terminator, so that's they're taking what they liked in Salvation, right? Getting that know. piece of it. But it, it also seems like the trailer should have been uh, once again we know nothing is. Female Terminator goes to Sarah going, John sent me to get you to help protect this girl who's going to help us win the war. Right. Holy shit. All right. That's why Linda Hamilton's back. Because if they don't have any connection, so everyone's just going to magically come together and she's just fighting Terminators. Like, is that her thing? It's like, is she just grizzled old veteran driving around in her truck trying to track <laughs> looking, down? Looking for Terminators? Yeah. Just like, oh, I'm <laughs> tracking them down. Like they live. I put on my sunglasses and I see them, you know? She should have the dog then, right? Because yeah. that's how they track. That's yeah. how they track the Terminator. So the yeah. dog had to have his head out, the, how, you know, head out the window like all the time. Yeah. Like every time he barks, you know, yeah. pull a gun on somebody. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa! Throwing magnets at them. <laughs> it's just the metal in my spine. <laughs> Leave me alone, old lady. So yeah, I think that's the thing. It's uh, maybe it's just that was they were just trying to push a trailer because it wasn't the best trailer, it wasn't the worst trailer, but it right. it feels rushed for no reason. You have all the time in the world to release this trailer Mm -hmm. other than you mean you have your november air date and you want to get it out you want to get the summer trailer out but tell me the story i'd rather know what the story is other than we got to protect this girl so she's the john connor in this one right (laughs) that's all you you know the other thing i think would be interesting too i mean what i loved about james cameron before avatar (laughs) is he did such a brilliant job of getting his message across without beating you over the head right Right, you know, in, in um, you know, in Terminator, it's all about technology and you know, and then how it can go wrong and that kind of thing. And Aliens is also is like be wary of technology, yeah. you know, don't don't trust technology to get you through whatever it is you need to get through mm-hmm. because it might fail you. Right, um, you know, in addition to being not so much a, a satire, but um, a what's the word I'm looking for of the war, Vietnam War. Oh, okay, um, not an allegory. Uh, yeah, sort of. Sort of. But so it's represent. You know, he's representing, you know, an event that happened right. um, in you know in history. But then putting into his sci-fi film, and it's just you don't you know it does, it's not beating you over the head with it, but you kind of know it's there, you know. And then even the abyss, you know, is about relations, right? The Cold War yeah. and all of that, and it's all very subtle. And then you get to Avatar, and then it's literally beating you over the head with right. you know climate change and all of trees, that, all and- the trees and. And all of the other stuff, and, and and we saw it again, kind of too, in Battle Angel, right? I mean, right. it's like it's no better in terms right. of you know, in terms of that. And so I'm curious to see how they address you know these issues of AI mm-hmm. and how you know how it can be dangerous, you know, and it can be our demise, and how they are going to do that balance of 
we need technology. We're at the point we've accepted it. It's all part of our daily right. lives. How do we make sure there are safeguards to to protect us, and who's going to implement them? Right. You know, but the question is how you know how will that be done thematically? Right. Will it beat you over the head and say, "Don't ever use your phone again"? Yeah. Well, that's what was so great about <laughs> one of the good things about Genesis. It was we were at that point, and this was right. the new like almost Alexa system. Hey, Genesis will help you do whatever you needed to do, and that was the AI that you know. Right, that's right. So it was like that idea. It's like, well, what a good idea to already embrace what we have, and just go. Here's a new operating system. Everyone gets it, right? You know, and you'll be connected to everything, and that's the start. It's like, oh well, that's really interesting. It'll be how heavy-handed is James Cameron in this movie, and you'll know his influence right right away. Be like, ugh. Right in the first five minutes or yeah. whatever, we should you know we should know. Oh. On that note. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this has been two old men talking about things that are being ruined in our generation. Don't forget to follow SoundCloud at Post Apocalyptic Podcast, Instagram because John Robert, Twitter because John Rob. Jason has a, uh, a Twitter itself, mostly about cars, which has nothing to do with James Cameron. Oh, yeah. Instagram. And, oh, Instagram. Sorry. Uh, Wired Coyote 928. That's right. All right, everyone, enjoy the new uh, Terminator. This has uh, been Post-Apocalyptic. This is Rob. This is Jason. Take it easy. Take it easy.